Welcome to your Making It Worse. We're here, we're queer, who cares? I'm Elliot Glazer. And I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. Textual healing. So on the show Shrill uh, on Hulu, John Cameron Mitchell, who originated Hedvig, and he's an openly gay actor and director, he plays Gabe, who's this really, like, snippy, openly gay boss to A.D. Bryant's character. Condescending boss, yeah, yeah. Very condescending. And just to be loosely based on Dan Savage. Correct. And Jeffrey uh, Iovonon, Jeffrey Iovonon. Sorry, Jeffrey. (laughs) He was writing about in Medium, he was writing about toxic gay masculinity and talked about it in reference to... uh, Gabe, on yeah, Shrill. because the character talks down a lot to, oh well, to eighty uh, Bryant. Eighty Bryant, thank yeah. you. And he describes him as a controlling perfectionist who exhibits many of the worst attributes of gay male culture, and evidences the extent gay culture and Western diet culture are enmeshed. So he in this in this piece, um, Ayavonon talks about how the, this idea of toxic gay masculinity is intersects with diet culture. The idea that you know, while we talk about toxic masculinity a lot, that's often in reference to straight, uh, aggro, white. alpha, white, yeah. male yeah. privilege. And with toxic gay masculinity, he actually pegs it pretty closely to just being about what he calls diet culture. The idea of this worship of the thin or th- a thin woman or, a, you know, a muscular man. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's 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 pretty dead on. And, and I personally and Brent, we were talking about this this week. I don't know why or what has been happening, but it's felt like in the past couple of weeks, there's been a just a metastasizing of of what this article is about, toxic gay masculinity on Instagram. Uh-huh. And I hate to say I can't believe this is a thing, but I feel like a lot of it happened on Earth Day. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. You kind of lost your mind. I, on I kind of lost my in mind on way? Earth Day. The idea that there were all these posts so much that they were memes about these posts where a bunch of gay guys were using Earth Day of all things to post these like, you know, super, uh, um, you know, pictures of themselves basically nude or almost nude. But it's all basically thirst traps and them looking as hot and muscular as possible. But being like, don't use straws. Of course. Don't use straws. Celebrate the earth. I love a straw. (laughs) I love a straw, too. Um, But anyway, the point being that it's like that is toxic gay masculinity. And it's not just (laughs) thirst. It's the idea, the worship of the specific type of body as being the only thing, uh, the best thing. I yeah. mean, I so, I okay, I'll start off just because I feel like I'm the fattest one here. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and I, I mean, disagree. I, well, you can disagree, but it's true. Uh, but that said, I, I don't say that to, you know, put myself down or anything. I have, I've always struggled with my weight. Ever since I was a kid, I was a heavy kid. I come from a heavy family. I've been really fat. I've been really thin. I've been midway, it, all of it. And one of the things that I have noticed is how gay culture responds to anybody who is larger. So like if mm-hmm. if I'm uh, and I remember as a kid sometimes and I never really had a problem fitting in because I was crazy self-confident, but I did find myself sometimes in some situations acting more gay, more flamboyant because within sort of the average gay culture, the sort of white fit dudes to be popular with them, I had to be a joke. I had to be flamboyant. Yeah. I had to be you know, queenie. And I do think that within this sort of diet culture, we see people as sort of like, you're fit, you're thin, so you're fine, or you it's don't matter. It's a Trump card. It's a Trump you card. You couldn't be doing better if you're in good shape. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas, like, me being okay with the way I look and dress and size and everything, somehow 
challenges this sort of norm that that this is the ideal body and it's but yet you look at the numbers and it's like that post gets 20,000 likes and you look at a post of me looking like you know a fabulous drag queen or something and Mm -hmm. it gets like 200 likes which is still good but it's like Mm -hmm. what's the difference here you know what I mean like I'm essentially doing the exact same thing this dude is doing naked I'm begging for attention it's so tough because I am it's as as much as I want to sit here and, you know, lambast this culture that, you know, Instagram culture or sort of the, I, I call it kind of passive bullying because yeah. all these people that are showing their butts and they always look so great. And I still can't, I can't sit here and say that I don't look at these profiles. Not, but, a, not a lot on Instagram, but like the guys who I find the dreamiest are, are the ones that unequivocally fit that yeah. mold. And so it's so hard for me because I want to be like, fuck that noise. Because told you that's attractive. Uh, yeah, I mean, for sure. Yeah. Um, I've jerked off to it a lot is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. But like, it, I want to sit here and be like, fuck that noise. It doesn't have to be that. such a willing participant. It doesn't have to be a, re- I don't think it has to be a rejection of that. I just think if you just if you if you know what you like, that's different than the performative nature of what yeah. he's talking about. Mm-hmm. And he even says um, that he says one demonstrates that they are a good, worthy and desirable gay man by publicly performing mm-hmm. on social media, usually diet culture through showing the ways in which changing their eating and or behavior to manipulate their weight or make their body shape conform to the ideal. So and, and that's that I think is the thing that has driven me crazy most yeah. recently the thing that made me feel like it boiled over was this without even without realizing it until i honestly saw this article it's something that i was calling um uh anorexercise uh-huh. where gay guys and i think a lot of i know a lot of women do the same thing but it's it's become so inherent on on you know instagram especially among gay men that it's this Self betterment. It's meal Wait, prep. It's, yeah. What is it? Uh, the idea of seeing guys do post pictures of themselves doing um, muscle ups mm. or prepping their meals for yeah. the week or or running or and it's like all great things. No, right. Yeah. But they're yeah. but, but it's the falsehood. It's the yeah. false the artifice of doing it as a way to get likes because it's inherently sexual. Well, and to piggyback off that, but sort of the opposite of that, the posts which infuriate me to no end of like you know some some hot dude like not hot but like muscly dude you know <laughs> typically hot dude who is white and has abs and all of it and he's sitting there and he's eating like pizza and he yeah. makes some well, sort of like right. tongue in cheek thing being like I love like, pizza yeah, exactly so that's, that's the and thing it's that... like and I don't want to put anything of my own sort of food shame on him in this but my first feeling the feeling that I get when I see something like that is you have no idea the level of shame that comes with being my size and eating pizza but that's why I call it anorexercise because I do think that there is a level of anorexic thought on his end where yeah. he's doing yes. that he, yes whether or not he knows that mm-hmm. it's painful to somebody who deals with weight with weight issues and then he's just perpetuating the problem he's perpe- literally he is perpetuating the problem by going look how hot i look but guess what i'm a goofball and you know i what? i love pizza i love tacos but first pizza but first donuts and it's like it, it's such a i can't believe it but it's such a specific trope that I think is so damaging among gay men. Here's something I'll say that really blows me away is that a lot of people, you know, their Instagrams or social media profiles are open to the public most of the time. And to each their own, of course, I just can't wrap my head around being okay With your coworkers knowing what you it's look like blowing. shirtless, it's and I know absolutely. that's crazy. No, but you're, you're crazy. talking about the most benign version of it. I just, I'm with you because I'm like, I can't believe it. But when you see somebody go above and beyond that, but it's not. But that's like you're. That's like <laughs> com- yeah, you, comedic you joke, and perform. Yeah, 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 you joke. Brent's about talking it, yeah. about the benign manner in which somebody like this will will you know post themselves doing shirtless CrossFit, shirt yeah, you know yeah. some something like shirtless that is inherently sexual. Pretending totally it's not. Fine, by the way. I really want to stress. Totally fine. Do your thing. Just, but I'm just so buttoned up. I, 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 but it, but that's the thing too. Is like it's in it, when you know they're making it inherently sexual without saying it. Yeah. For, in the name of quote unquote fitness, or in the quote in quote in the name of quote unquote fitness, a fitness journey or yeah. Earth Day. That's where it yeah. blows my mind the most. And to Brent's point, I cannot believe that these people will shamelessly be like. 
make it so that everyone can their coworkers can like, see them doing them, that. Most of them obviously have regular jobs. They go to work. They have to pay the bills. And I just can't imagine, you know, wor- working as like an account executive with Tony, and then you log in and you're like, oh, what's Tony doing on Instagram? And it's just his pew. Well, the thing that the thing that blew my mind <laughs> around Earth Day was one Instagrammer who I don't follow, but I something about it just like just I don't know. It just it just got me. Uh, he is a Instagrammer with about seventy thousand followers, and he calls loser. Himself, he calls himself. Uh, he works in well, health and sustainability. Okay. He's a gay guy who just wants to be photographed shirtless and naked, and right, that's all right. he wants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He can pretend. What was the post? The post was him. He he's he's basically sponsored by everything. So every post is him being sponsored by something. Like mm-hmm. the guy from Queer Eye, the guy who cooks. What's his name? Anthony. Yeah. yeah. Well, there was, I mean, one incredible picture is him after a CrossFit workout drinking V8, which is like, yeah, I'm sure you drink a... <laughs> you I drink that. a V8 every day. But not after you lift. It's so... Whatever. Yeah, right. The thing that drove me, the thing that really got me was he posted a, a boomerang of himself, just his body, his shirt, his neck to his legs, to yeah, his yeah. feet with shorts on. With a water bottle, but it's a boomerang of him running. So you're watching his body move, his yeah. like taut, you know, taut, lean body move, and as he holds a water bottle, <laughs> and he has the gall to pretend that it's about wellness, sustainability, <laughs> right, and right. not about sex. What is he? Right. Is he running because he's not driving? I'm confused. How he's is this he's about jogging. It, it, great, because his water bottle is recyclable or sustainable or something. Yeah. So to me, that to me is Bits, the epitome please. of this bizarre. Stick it up your butt. <laughs> it, it is. It is funny. I will say I, I've done this before. This is not always the case, but uh, I'll you know like randomly you find someone on Instagram. Maybe you check who who posts at your gym, and you find I definitely do that. Yeah, yeah, of course. And you find someone. You're like, oh, I've seen this guy for months, and now here he is. Whatever. Almost always. Uh, if they don't have a shirtless picture within like 15 pics, I am like they're straight. Absolutely, always, always. <laughs> I'll say, I'll say, almost that is always, not always, but because there's plenty of thirsty straight dudes out of there course. too. But and there's plenty of gay guys like myself who don't there is post that, a lot of shirtless there pictures. Is I have to admit, Instagram I, math, and that is an equation <laughs> that always I lines up. Haven't belonged to a gym now for. A year and a half, two years, and it is the best thing <laughs> ever. It is so wonderful and nice. I just go on hikes and I do things at home, and it's just like to not care about that culture or that toxic world of gay gym life and be obsessed it with an looking at people on Instagram and who checked nightmare. in there. It's it's you don't need the gym guys. You could just go. Like do sit ups and right. push ups at home. I'm just as guilty Thank as, you, as Alan. participating <laughs> you in it. You could, Alan. I like going to the gym, but with that said, I I love and support that you don't. <laughs> I, I I understand both sides of it because it does feel sadomasochistic yeah. to do it. If and you're participate so obsessed and going crazy about staring at people at the gym and it's driving you insane, why would you keep doing something that's driving you insane? I didn't say it's driving me insane. It's driving me insane. Well, there we go. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I, to end this, just. Um, uh, uh, he said in the in his essay that being he ended it by saying being a modern gay man often means being on a diet, mm. and it sucks. Yeah, it, I, I, it sucks, but it's true. It, Are you guys it, on yeah. a diet? Or it's for I'm me, always it's, watching what I eat. Yeah, there's a and I and I know that like I've had weight issues too, and it comes from it's not necessarily a matter of being on a diet, but there's shame attached that is directly connected to <laughs> being gay. Yeah, mm. in a way that in my wildest dreams, sometimes I wish I were just like able to just be with a wife and just <laughs> eat what I want. Well, why can't you be with a guy and eat what you want? Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> I mean, I have that with Michael. Like, it is out there. It exists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's true. That, yeah. that means being evolved. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Not even joking. Our guest today is a delightful friend of mine. 
doesn't know you two idiots. So I know. I'm we, so no, glad. I, it's we know. <laughs> I'm, I'm a fan. And yes, fan. Sure, keep it that way. Uh, he is a producer on Drag Race, a podcaster, a YouTuber. He's done it all. John Polly, thanks so much for being here. Thank you. It's it's, it's a delight and honor to be. Here. You're wearing thanks, a Paula John. Abdul shirt, which is the first thing I noticed <laughs> right. besides your beautiful face, and I am a fan of it. What's it like being a producer on RuPaul's Drag Race? How long have you been doing it? I've since been, the beginning, right? No, 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 oh, no. I've been doing it since season five. Okay. It was my first season. And what season are we in? 11. Season 11 is oh, okay. airing now. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Whew. Um, yeah, I, my first season working on the show was season five, and it was the summer that of All Stars one and season five. Wow! Um, so, but I, before that, I worked at Logo. I was uh, in uh, online editorial and producing video and stuff, and so I was I was there when the show launched. And super excited about it, and mm-hmm. a, a fan from the beginning. Oh, it launched on Logo. Yeah, yeah it was it's on Logo since for shifted years. Shifted to VH1. Right. I Actually, it was only last season, right? That it shifted um, to VH1. Season nine was nine? the first one. Okay. VH1. How did they I let that go? How did Logo? Because Logo well, doesn't have, logo doesn't have anything anymore. Right. Yeah, and Logo yeah. is you know it's it's always been a sister channel to VH1. It's, it's an MTV Network's Viacom channel. Yeah, yeah. so and. Oh, sister. Yeah, so, so sister they just, channel. <laughs> so they just snatched it. Yeah. Over. Hey, it's snatched. Right. You got it. Uh, but no, like it's, it. it's, it's fun. It's fun. Like, I, I, I was a fan of the show, and then I was working at Logo and doing all this online ed- editorial producing and stuff. And then I got laid off because you're working for like MTV Networks and everyone gets laid off yep. at some yeah. point. And yeah, they don't pay you yeah. eventually. Um, and so I loafed around for months mm-hmm. and I had been, been doing recaps of the show as part of my online job producing video stuff. For Logo. For, for Logo. Yeah. Um, and then Severance, I, I worked for there for several years. I had Severance, and it ran out. I'm like, oh, God, I could get a job. Right. I have yeah. to find a job. And I just reached out to World of Wonder, because I had met them. Who and, produces Dragon? And they said, oh, and come work for us. So that's I, great. So I it was great. that funny. seamless? It has. That's so, it was that seam- seamless? Well, I reached out to them, and I was like, oh, God, my Severance pay is running out in like a month. I yeah. got to find a job. So I emailed World of Wonder, and I met them. And I said, hey, are you hiring? Because I had done like blogging and stuff. And they, right. had, they, had, they still do, like a WoW Report site. And I was like, "Do you need writers for that or whatever?" They're like, "Oh, do you want? Maybe you should work on the show because they like were fans of the recaps I right. was doing." Did you move to LA for that? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. So they so I had to write a spec script like overnight, which I well they, I just said right for it. Drag Race. Yeah, I mean, which is just like the structure of the show. Like, right. yeah. like your challenge today is blah blah blah, and it was like a pretend challenge, um, and whatever. And I did yeah. lots of bad puns and just threw everything of I course, yeah. could think in there. Yeah. Well, that that gets me to yeah. a really important question that I have. Yes. Uh, who writes the scripts and? Skits on this show, like how does that come it's a, about? It's a mix. You can't because you don't have you can't have writers because it's not a scripted show. It's a reality. Right. Show. There's like I've I've contributed to them. Um, we have another producer who's worked on the show for years, um, Bruce McCoy. He, was, he used to be a writer for Mad TV. Mm-hmm. Um, works on them. Our executive producer Tom Campbell. It's usually collaborative. Um, so if, some, if if one turns out great, we'll say I wrote it. And if it yeah. didn't, right. so like, oh somebody else wrote that. I don't what know is who your least that. favorite one? Of the like of the since you've been working there, um, um, is that is that a, I know it's, <laughs> yeah, like, you're it's, it's a hard that? question. No, 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 because it's a hard one. It's my least, my favorite. Like I, I, I enjoyed the ones. I enjoyed the Good God Girl Get Out. Oh yeah, great. that just aired because it was because it's, and they're all. It, and sometimes they seem great on paper, and sometimes you're like, all right. And it, the queens can, like, transcend them yeah. or, like, you know, not do great. But it's like, that's not their fault. It's just like you're given this thing and you have yeah. to learn in three hours and boom. Yeah. Um, so my least favorite, oh, God. Because maybe I'm weirdly attached to all of them, but They're I'm sure babies. that's yeah, No, babies. I mean, like, okay, there was a... I can tell you a shitload of things that I hate about myself. Ruko, things that I've done. There, there, there was the Ruko Empire. Oh yeah, which was basically Bob the drag queen as like yeah. Cookie from Empire, and uh, some weird yeah. bastardization of that. Uh-huh. Um, Thorgy did such a good job though with that broom. She did a really good job. She was so nervous. I was very happy with her. Yeah, I was like sort of like trying to like say you can you know do this. Um, Thorgy's a friend of the podcast. And then just Bob just storms in and like yeah takes over yeah in a wonderful way. Um, there was the weird 
I always go back to like there was one in season six. It was like drag, drag me to hell. It was mm. drag race me to whatever it was. Like the two, <laughs> the weird spoofs. And for some reason, it was like oh, one will be in the '60s and one will be in the '80s. Right. Yeah. Because sure. Sure. Um, and a head sticking <laughs> out of that a box. Works out. Yeah. Um, oh, but Darian Lake's head coming out of that box is really funny. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. one was good. Um, anyway, let me ask you sorry. a question. Being a producer for a really popular show amongst gay people, probably do you the ever, most popular reality you, show. Cool. Absolutely. Uh, do you? Do you? <laughs> Ever, are you ever at a bar and it comes up and like people start kind of trying to get your attention to maybe uh, uh, manipulate that in the future to be on the show or something? I mean, this is Hollywood after all. Yeah. Do you have any say in that even? Um, you mean Queens or yeah. any anyone or fans? Well, uh, Queens is yeah, because Queens are the only ones that can get on the show. Yeah. Yeah. No, I. I I have not been, I'm not involved in casting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not one of my duties on the show, which is kind of a relief. A yes, thing, yeah. I'm sure. Because um, I have drag queen friends and stuff, and and um, but um, no one's really people just want to know about the show uh, more than you, anything. I have a friend who, for as long as I've known him, has like obsessively written bits. He has like he has in his head, uh-huh. uh huh, uh, like. Full, full on imagined challenges, ways he sees the game going. If he had a say, oh like, yeah, people have structure like, of the how show. Do you, how do you wait? You, how do you, you have all this in your head? Like he has all these Sounds brilliant. iterations yeah. in his head. Yeah, he'd love it. He wants to write. <laughs> well, that's how. Want. I mean, that's my boyfriend Michael. Our default show at home. We bought all the seasons. We're very angry that All Star season one is not available digitally. <laughs> like, really? And yeah, it's not. We can't get it. Um. But Michael's like that, where he just knows every single moment, every frame of the show and can reference it and knows the callback. And it's just it's obsessive, but it's also like fascinating to see that that show has that resonates that well with with the audience. The fandom is out of control. No, it's, yeah. crazy. It's, it's crazy. And like, you know, crazy in a good way. But like, oh, it's, for sure. it's crazy. But it, there, and are, it's... there are some bad, like, you know, yeah. the backlash that, and, and RuPaul's even talked about it sometimes. Yeah. No, people fans get can insane. Get out of, yeah. Insane. Wait, what's the backlash? What do you mean? A lot of times, Queen, people will, like for this past season, uh, a, a big example is Naomi Smalls from All Stars... Four, right. when she sent home Manila, Manila. Yeah. and fans reacted in a very dramatic <laughs> so, way, but so they get vicious online. We should, so Naomi Smalls is like mm-hmm. a a statuesque sort of like like model type mm-hmm. of queen. Yeah. yeah. And Manila is a, a, a longtime favorite who's been in the game for a very long time. She's very mm-hmm. campy. And so she and campy. And she was pretty fi- pretty odd. I think she had she was favored, she was a favorite to, win. to win. Yeah, yeah, she was doing great. Doing great. One bunch of challenges, really yeah. strong, really strong. And Naomi came in and, and very strategically knocked her out. Yeah. And Naomi was besieged with like the most racist, <laughs> like Ooh. hateful yeah. comments People and blowback get so that villainous. are insane. Like and I know what happened when um season six, when like Darian Lake sent not she didn't send her home, but she beat her in a lip sync and, and Ben Lacram went home. Yeah. People like and of course you can attack attack Darian Lake for being Alaska with Alyssa. Yes. Wait, oh yeah. I mean death threat are we Atta- talking death threats? I'm I wouldn't sure. be surprised. People do. I, I, say like, oh, I've gotten death threats and stuff and all, and like it gets. But you know, and these are coming from I'm sure like crazy thirteen year olds in their, right. in their, in their what, garage. Imagine getting a death threat like, at thirteen. That's what I yeah. mean. Like that's why it's so crazy because we're not talking about even like sports teams. We're not talking about yeah. the mafia. We're talking about drag queens. Well, yeah. <laughs> but what's so interesting about it, and this is something I want to ask you, is that like, yes. The fandom is crazy, but the fandom is also very specific to a certain community, either allies of the community or community yeah. being very queer. It's a very queer audience, women yeah. and and queer men. From, and also, I'm sure some of the boyfriends of the women are watching RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah. But the and the viciousness within the queer community against queer people blows it my seems, mind it, yeah it, there seems to be like a disconnect and it yeah. it fascinates me me too fascinating well i me. worked i worked in gay media for you i've worked in, <laughs> i've worked in really gay jobs <laughs> yeah. for so long oh my god <laughs> i used to, by I, choice or by dis, by choice or just like by, by accident and yeah. then boom um my first job in the 90s when I was living in Los Angeles, like just showed up and said, oh, I'll stick around here for a while. Mm-hmm. I did a couple of PA jobs and then I entered a job in a classifieds for like gay company needs an administrative assistant. And it was an old one of the gay magazines called Genre Magazine. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. I don't remember yeah. that. Bizarre name for a magazine, but yes. there you go. There's genre. Attitude. Which means nothing. <laughs> yeah. Genre. Yeah. Next. Next magazine. I used to write for Attitude, and I was editor-in-chief of Next Magazine oh for seven God. years in New York City. So from when to when? From 2001 to 2004. Oh, no. It would have been after Wet. So, yeah. yeah, exactly. Magazine. W-H-E-T. Yeah. Um, not nearly as good as, not nearly as good as, like, gay bar names. Like, right. You know, yeah, right. Ramrod or whatever. Yes. Thank you. Or, like, I was choice. Wait, Ramrod, is that real? Or <laughs> What was the one I came up with? Wound? Wound. Wait, Ramrod? It was a real one, right? Boston. It was a leather bar in Boston. I'm pretty sure. That's so funny. I think I made that up. Oh, Rawhide. I want a gay bar. No, Rawhide was in New York. Rawhide was in New York. Ramrod is real. Yeah. And hey, I'm not sure if it still is, but right. there was a ramrod. Wound. I love um, wound. But, <laughs> but I worked in gay magazines for years. I worked uh, just, and just like there, there, there I was. Um, and there I stayed, I guess. But then when the logo was launching, my friend of mine who'd been a TV executive in New York for Comedy Central for years, they brought him in to be the head of programming. Um, and I just remember telling him, like, just so you know, having worked with for gay audiences and magazines or whatever, and this is going to sound much more like cynical than I mean for it to sound like, People are never going to be satisfied never. because the gay audience has been underserved and had nothing, you know, to reflect their experience in media for so long. That you, you know, whatever you do can't satisfy everyone. Yeah, right. And it's that's too, kind of it's too awesome splintered in a way yeah. because it's like, like one of the things. Like the whole Jesse Smollett thing, one of the things I joked about is Ooh. that, like, yeah. <laughs> that that I love that we can now we're now in a place in terms of gay rights that even like gay people can be assholes, yeah, and like yeah. it doesn't take away from Correct. gay people like them in mass. Well, you know what some I mean? people aren't la- allowing him to be criticized for being an asshole. But what do you mean? I mean, there are there's pushback online, even though he's, oh, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That, but what I'm saying is like we're at a place now where like a gay person doesn't have to be held up to certain standards, and right. there's certain representation in media where, yes, a gay person can be an asshole. And yes, even gay fans of Drag Race can be assholes. They're not untouchable. Yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. Exactly. And it's kind of a nice place to be right. in. And I think, by and large, the fans are amazing. Yes, of and course. great. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it is crazy. It's like, I'll be at a party and people want to talk about the show. And I enjoy talking about the show. I'm happy. I mean, I, I have a blast on the show. Wait yeah. a minute. But then I feel bad for people who don't care about it or are like, tired of hearing about it. Like, it doesn't need to be conversation <laughs> in every, you know, Wait, yeah. it is. Wait, you, you don't get tired of talking about it? I mean, I enjoy the show. I get tired yeah. of people talking about exactly. it. Exactly. And you love it. <laughs> and I yeah. like the show, yeah. yeah. No, I, I people, never get tired of talking yeah. about it. It's, you know, and it's so funny because in its own way it has become the fantasy football of it all is now, it's well, a real exists. thing, fantasy yeah. drag race. But also, yeah. can I say, didn't, Alan, you didn't know it or like you it? No, you weren't into so it for I, a while. I wasn't into it for a long time. And I told you you should be. Yes, <laughs> you told me I should be. Um, but I, I, I was so, I mean, in, to my in my favor here, I was going through chemo and I was very disconnected from the world and media. I was not living a normal yes, life. But post chemo, and, and then post chemo, <laughs> there was a couple years there where I was just sort of figuring out me, trying to get a movie made about me. Yeah. Wait, this, and is, then... this is great. Alan had Alaska on his other podcast, which is about the Golden Girls. It's a fantastic yeah, yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh my god. You have Alaska on your podcast, and Alan's well, like, I don't know, but he's fucking great. Okay, so oh, the thing I mean, with Alaska, like, Alan, and that's he's how a I, legend. That's how I yeah. got into she, Drag Race, basically. I Alaska had messaged me on Twitter, being like, I love the podcast. <laughs> oh. I and, and then, do you want a famous drag queen on your podcast or something? <laughs> and I was like, Sure, you're famous. Like I had no, he I had didn't no know, idea. I, didn't, oh. I wasn't watching the show or anything. Mm-hmm. And then. Um, I think like we eventually got her on the show and we're talking and it's a great and we we hit it off real quick when we become friends and she's awesome but I don't know anything about her career really because I don't watch yeah. the it was show. Actually ref- it was refreshing yeah, to see yeah. that. And because... I love that our friendship started in that capacity. Yeah, yeah. Very then, organic. And... But then the week we recorded we released the episode because we just, just synced that way yeah. and I had texted a friend in Chicago um, his name is Philip Campbell he's a huge fan of the Drag Race and it's like oh yeah this drag queen Alaska Thunderfuck is on and it was the same week she won All Stars. Wow. And so, like, it was like this. And then I Googled and figured it out. And I was like, this woman's huge. huge. This person is yeah. huge. And, it, and, and then I got into the show and, of course, obsessed over it. But you and I had talked years before that. I mean, yeah. I, had, I had known you for years before yeah, that, yeah. knowing you had worked on the show. So, like, I knew of the show. I knew of it. I just wasn't a huge fan. Now I'm a huge fan. 
Oh yeah, no, and it's weird because I would I would be out with friends or with my boyfriend meeting people and and, it'd be, and meet strangers or like straight mm-hmm. folks or whatever like social situations. People say, "Oh, what do you do for you?" I'm like, "Oh, I work for a production company." Yeah, and yeah. And like what they do? Oh, we make reality TV documentaries. <laughs> you know, which is all true. Sure. Well, World of Wonder does make a lot of really great stuff outside of Drag Race. But then he would say, Race. "Like, why don't you say you work on Drag Race?" And I'm like. I don't know. Because like, so I want to leave. If no, I have to go to the bathroom. No, because, oh, because nobody's heard of it. <laughs> yeah. You know, right. four wonder, years ago or something. Now or everyone something. has. Maybe, John, you could shed light on this. What I what I liked about Lady Gaga years ago, as always, my stance on her was she's fine. But what I liked about her was that she appealed to so many different people. Mm-hmm. And obviously at a time when it kind of felt political and that I remember sitting on my stoop drinking alone in New York and <laughs> listening to my neighbor like this huge Brooklyn dude be like, man, I like that lady Gagger. And, <laughs> yeah, Gagger. And, and I remember I always liked that. And I wonder if Drag Race in a weird, not a weird way, in I wonder if Drag Race does the same thing where like, uh, maybe it's a, maybe a little bit more of a specific audience, but I wonder if you can go to South Dakota, you know, uh, a well, state I mean, that I would stereotype as not being into drag per se. <laughs> right. And then you get off the plane and tell people you work for Drag Race and some dude would be like, oh, that, that show's great. Have you yeah. ever had an experience like that? Um, I have had like people in my hometown. I'm from a tiny town of Virginia. Yeah. It's called Big Stone Gap, Virginia, in the corner of it's Appalachian Mountains, like coal, oh, wow. coal mining. Trump, yeah. Trump country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people there have like when I we, the show we I went to the Emmys this past September. You won. You won. You're an Emmy awarding producer. Um, and and people the response from it. You know, weird Facebook response from like your high school teachers and friends, yeah. you know, like friends of friends and siblings of whatever you grew up with. People were so like sweet. Yeah. And I mean, and I guess why wouldn't they be? Because it's a nice event. <laughs> sure. Yeah. But you never know. Yeah. Yeah. But people the, were thrilled. And by the way, like the fact that For the, it, the gayest show or a very gay, yeah, a very show. Gay but the show, fact that yeah. it has moved to VH1, I mean, yeah, you know, for for better or worse, it's really solidified it as like a huge part of the well, culture. And that that's a question that I I want to ask you. I mean, you you've always worked in queer spaces and you know in queer <laughs> jobs, which is very rare for I think a lot of queer people, especially people listening who work in very sort of regular jobs around yeah. mostly probably straight people and that's a and we have the privilege of working in mostly queer spaces yeah. and that's awesome but how can <laughs> queer creatives not always awesome but most of the time awesome <laughs> how can queer creatives sort of maintain get that mainstream audience like drag race has but yet maintain their queer identity and that's something that drag race has done well cuz I, I and i don't think we've changed a lot mm-hmm. in our tone no i wouldn't i don't think so from as from an outsider's perspective so cuz we were always just kind of like i mean I mean, you know, on Logo, we're like oh it's Logo was still very kind of mainstreamy gay yeah you know but like we would more than hear TV. We, and, and, yeah, yeah. And we would, like, you know, have as much sort of, like, raucous fun as, as we can. Sure. And, like, subversive and corporate, bits and pieces yeah. and stuff. Um, so, I, I don't know. I think we just, we, I think we just to stay true to the show and its humor, whether it's, you know, bad puns or just, like, corny old gay humor. Yeah, yeah. Or, or just, you know, spoofy satire of everything. It's very my cat fa- skills. I was going to say my favorite thing about the show has always been that, it's not my favorite thing per se, but I do. I had um, I was lucky enough to have lunch with RuPaul, and he and I had spoken because he knew that I I, I talked to him about how like on the show, there's when I would watch the show years ago with my ex boyfriend and his friends, there would be a very different set of laughter in the room. Mm-hmm. They would always laugh at the things that I didn't laugh at, and I would always be laughing at the things that they didn't laugh at. Yeah. And I realized that... It's like Sesame Street. Kind it's of. like there's humor for adults <laughs> and for children. Kind of, yeah. Or, yeah, like The Simpsons, or you know, it's got yeah, that subversion. whatever. And I was always laughing at the weird, you know, referential, kind of subversive stuff, and I didn't look down on my boyfriend or his friends and anything like that but it just felt like a very we did yeah sure you guys did <laughs> that was my sesame street analogy yeah sure <laughs> yeah. but it just felt like a very dichotic dichotomous dichotomous i just dichotomous stick there dichotomous. <laughs> it felt like it was just a very dichotomous thing yeah and rue was just like yes i i understand that i recognize that i can you know he he sees that under and understands that yeah and i'll, I'll watch in bars i don't watch every week in a bar because that would be torture bad for my health torture yeah. no but yeah. yeah but but like i love watching it with a crowd because they'll laugh at stuff that i did not didn't expect, expect. yeah any show works well, that way so like you outside of drag race you, i mean you do a lot of things around in and around drag race so you have a very popular youtube channel where you are talking about drag race 
and and recapping the shows. Yeah. But then you also have the Drag Race podcast, the new official Drag Race podcast. <laughs> I know, yeah, um, yeah. We that was launched with the launch of season eleven. Yeah. Um, my bosses were like, "Oh, we should have a podcast," and I was like, "Well, if you should have queens on it because mm-hmm. they have yes. lived this and experienced it." So, but they wanted some. They asked me if I would be interested in hosting, and I'm like, mm-hmm. "Sure, if we can make sure if we have queens on it because I'm." been involved in the show i love drag but i'm not a drag queen um but i can speak to like oh what it's like making the show yeah and i can lead conversations with the queens about their experiences and asking them and let them chime in and sound off and stuff so but yeah i mean i'm you know i I feel like i not that we relate to the game but like podcasts have been around for a long time well it's it's hitting a new yeah. Wave at this point. Well, there's also like there's other pod, there's drag queen, there's the race yeah. chaser podcast, yeah. there's Joel Kim Boosters, which what one? The tuck, what the tuck? What the tuck? Is, yeah. I, and so I, it's like a it's it's a market. Totally. Like I mean, and there've been because I was doing video recaps, like YouTube recaps mm-hmm. for Logo, and then for when I started working at World of Wonder, they're like, oh, we'll produce those with you. So yeah. like, great. Um, and there was always there was always a bunch of like weekly YouTube pod, you know, uh, recaps of the show. Yeah. Um, so there's always been like a culture of you know sort of people talking about the show and making yeah. content. About about the show, recaps, yeah. podcasts. Um, I remember was very excited when I heard of Race Chaser last. I guess it was last summer. That's when it started. Yeah, because I was driving. We had finished shooting stuff last summer, and I had like, oh, I've been working all summer, and like road trip back to New York and Provincetown, mm-hmm. and then visiting my family in the South. And I was driving around like North Carolina and Virginia, listening to um, Race Chaser talk about season one, and yeah. it's like. Ah! gagging because yeah. you know it was so it's much so fun. fun but it's also so different i mean what i like about your podcast is that it there is a there is sort of the, the it's nice that it's the official it's with world of wonder you have access to the queens you have access to the queens coming off the episode that we you know what i mean you have access mm. that that i think a lot of the podcasts don't have but it's also different i mean Backstage i think pass i think people <laughs> i think people want to compare drag race podcast but it's like race chaser is a recap podcast and yours is talking about and it's a recap sure but it's also talking about you know the show and the queens and their work and what they're doing and like it's it's just it's good so and for this week's episode it was violet tchotchke and mayhem miller were yeah. our guests so both of them are great design queens mm-hmm. i mean violet made a hello kitty outfit that won her a design challenge um yeah. mayhem it was also a monsters of all sort of monstery things mayhem made presented this amazing krampus look in the drag race christmas special. oh it was good the black oh. look that was yeah. this monstery so thing so i was like excited to talk to them about like the challenge at hand but also it's just like what's it like you know when you're walking to the workroom what's it like you know yeah. when you're eating on set what's it like when yes. you know, someone's mean to you or exactly like... yeah you know what's interesting because I've I, and these guys know this I'm not I haven't really delved into drag race uh, if you couldn't <laughs> tell from okay. my questions but I, I did always really like Project Runway and I kind of, you know, comparable in that they've been sort of running, uh, you know, Project Runway was, I think, started in 05. Yeah. But it's incredible that you can, that a show can be a part of your life for so long. And then you'll go back and you'll watch clips back then. And it it not only brings you so intimately back to where you were in college, mm-hmm. but it also you're reminded like when Project Runway started and when I got into it, those were the Bush years. It was like I was in college. I was I hadn't even moved to New York yet. Right. And I can really it's it's like you can almost in a weird way experience your life mm-hmm. over these seasons. You can and definitely you can, do that with Drag Race. Yeah. Oh, for, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. No, that's what I'm saying. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, you can look back and see like. Well, the, were you trying to get me death threats? Yes, I agree. <laughs> yeah. I agree. No, I'm. I'm I'm saying to that point, it's like if you look back at like older episodes, it's yeah. like, yes, they look cheaper, but you can also like it's grittier. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's it's less polished. Well, there's also th- right. the difference like and what you were saying. Younger. People look younger. Uh-huh. The right. connection that you have. So like when you watch Project Run right now, it does take you back to sort of it's been with you so long. It's a part of your identity. But I think the difference between Project Runway and Drag Race is that when, you know, you watch an older episode of Drag Race and you see Alaska, Alaska's out there performing. You can go to a show. There's that tangible connection that you can yeah. have with yeah. the person from that show and that, the, that reminds you of your past. And I think that drives the fandom, too, because people feel so connected yeah. to the queens. Yes. Because, you know. Everyone watching, if you're maybe coming from a vulnerable, possibly a queer place, you've you felt, you know, outside. You felt, mm-hmm. and this, not to sound cliche, like you know, but you've these queens represent somebody who's got the courage to, of course, look be whoever they want to be, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and that's and so that empowers people. And then... <laughs> it's also, I mean, I've always thought 
I, I've said this before that like drag queens are the narrators of queer history. They're yes. present. They are present at every single major milestone yes. from from 1920s Berlin before Adolf Hitler comes in and takes them all over and sends them all to camps yeah. to the Stonewall to the AIDS epidemic with Lady Bunny and RuPaul moving to New York City at the height of the AIDS epidemic and performing in clubs and working and and really being a distraction to the the epidemic happening around them. And I mean, it's so so emblematic drag queens of queer history that like having a show that is main has gone mainstream is so important for queer people to see themselves in. Yeah, yeah, and it's and they've always been like, uh, you know, often the you know presenting as characters who are narrating. Yeah, like you said, what's going on? Yeah, who have the the courage to stand on stage and speak out and be loud and like mm-hmm. unafraid and be vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Before you yeah. go, I mean, it would I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you if you wouldn't give us your top. Three to five queens. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Can, I ask? can you, you can, even do that? Um, can you do that? I, I've, I, I have a few who I. If you want to think say, about it, Brent will go first. <laughs> I have a few who I always say are my favorites, yeah. and uh, but I but, but but I and I honestly I pretty much love them all, which sounds so boring. Yeah. But come on, give mom. us give us at least your top three. Um, give us the tea. Oh, I love. I, I always say I love Jinx Monsoon. Yes, she's one of death, my favorites. To death. I don't know, maybe because also that was the first season I worked on, mm-hmm. and I still just love her as just like a, an amazing performer. I went to see she and Ben Lacreme did their like drag becomes her yeah. death becomes her thing you know like um earlier last year or whatever yeah and i don't go a ton to tons of those big like drag performances um um you know with touring and stuff but when i can i do and so i was like all right i'll go and i had the best time and like jinx blew me away yeah just like the humor her physicality on she's stage. such a good performer she's ah, smarty pants she's so, yeah. and she's such a sweetheart like and then i bumped into her at promise town she wasn't performing like when i was there for a minute this past summer and she's just like warmth and like oh, yeah i love her to death um I love, I always love Mariah Paris Balenciaga, <laughs> who's just cool and also warm and funny. Yeah. And I hope she's on like an All Stars. I hope she's, like, I, she's great. Mm-hmm. And she she hosts um, every week in Silver Lake uh, at that 33 Taps. Oh, wow. Uh, the bar that you, the, 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 it's like a kind of a sports bar. Oh, interesting. But they have drag race screenings. We should go. And, I mean, she also she does Mickey. Does? She does all the, you know, all yeah. the like Hamburger Mary's and like yeah. you know, 33 Taps. That's like a, Sports bar, yeah, yeah, but they—that's so funny. But they before it turned into Thirty Three Taps, it was called Good. Was that what it was? It was oh. a pub, and and um, the owner was—I guess he's married to like one of our producers and a person at World of Wonder. He's been there for oh. years. So they so they were doing drag race yeah. viewing parties, fascinating, and, and bingo. So then Thirty Three Taps kept it. Anyway, Mariah is funny. wonderful. Yeah, an un, an un, un, not an unsung queen. She's like she's great. She's just wonderful. Um, yeah. Alaska is always amazing. Um. I do have a soft spot for Eureka. Oh yeah, because I she's from where I'm from. Eureka's who I wanted to win last season. She's from Johnson City, Tennessee, and I grew up like 30 miles away in the mountains of Virginia, um, and I just know where she's from. Yeah, she went to my high school for. Do you a, think a, a big queen, yeah. a big queen, will win soon? Sure, because yeah, it has I, not I know, happened. I know, and that's just bizarre. Yeah. Um, so I, I I'm I'm sure I'm forgetting like a million other queens I, I want to uh, mention. That's um, okay. Four is good. Yeah, four is good. Four is works. Okay. I guess I'll ask you this because everyone makes fun of me for it. Where do you stand on Cameron Michaels? Oh, he's obsessed with Cameron not, because of the way she moves. I like to watch her dance. I think she's Which a fascinating dancer. Which sounds creepy, dancer. Elliot. No, it doesn't. It does. That's her thing. <laughs> well, Ca- Cameron came on the podcast on our second episode, um, Cameron Asia, we're here, and they were great. Um, mm-hmm. Cameron's great because he's a fantastic performer. I just like to watch her. She has such long arms. Yes. Literally, no, I can do. This is my impression of every single Cameron Michaels dance. be great dance. for radio. <laughs> I'm swaying my head. Heads, heads, I'm swaying my head. Heads That's are all. I, I, I love watching her dance. That's all I can say. Yeah. Um, anyway. <laughs> you just did a show with Trixie. I did. Trixie's, yeah. Trixie Mattel did my show, and I yeah. couldn't. She's incredible. I worked for a, a little bit on the Trixie and Katya show. Oh, yeah? Very. Just helping, you know, a little bit, like, kind of helping write yeah. sure. stuff. Are you yeah. going to help with, like, DragCon or, or like... Um, um, I don't. I, I'll. I'll be at DragCon. I'm, yeah. I'm, I think I'm doing a live podcast there. Yeah, you got so much. You're in the um, world. You're doing. Where can people follow you on the interwebs? At John Polly says mm-hmm. is me. Um, and let like you I'll, say like a question like we don't know. <laughs> That's who I am. And then and then like whatever world of wonder, whatever junk I'm doing, you know, whatever like recaps or podcasts. Please listen. Amazing. All that good stuff. Thanks so much Thanks, for being John. here, John. Thank you. And another thing. 
So, Coachella, guys, did you go? Coachella. Did you go? Because guess what? If you went, you probably saw Aaron Shock sucking a dick. Um, he no, he wasn't sucking. Dick, oh, I'm sure no. he probably maybe did suck a dick. That's alleged. I Aaron don't know. Aaron Shock is a former but Republican congressman from Illinois, 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 and he um, he was photographed with a bunch of no, he was photographed kissing, kissing no, he a man, was kissing with his hands down his pants, with his hands down his pants, another man, and this and, is a man who had virulently anti-gay well, let's, policy, let's, right? Let's just go a Aaron little bit shot, deeper yeah. into that. He, yeah. This man, correction, this piece of shit um, went so far in Congress to not only vote against LGBT issues, but to go out of his way to, like, march and campaign against gay marriage, against discrimination laws being changed so that gay people can't get fired from their job. I mean, this man went so far, not because he believed in it. I don't ever think he believed in anything he ever said. The only reason why he ever said anything was to get attention and to maybe get elected to some higher office. This man was he's a, the most he's depraved the, he's the, he's, version of... He's the, he is everything that this podcast was created to fight against. <laughs> yep, By the way, he resigned or just finished out his term in Congress because he spent a lot of money on decorating his redecorating office. his office to look like what? Downton Abbey. I don't remember. Downton Abbey. Downton he wanted Abbey. a Downton Abbey congressional office yeah. and it became a big financial scandal. Yeah. And he settled? And he, it was recently settled, and he lavishly came back on Instagram to declare that he was cleared of all charges. <laughs> Which he wasn't because they settled. Well, I don't he, know. I actually don't know if they settled. I don't think they cleared. said. I think he was cleared, and he. Uh, but he did. He did resign. But he recently said before Coachella's hand down the pants kissing moment that he, um, he's young and he's willing to. He's he's open to considering another run for political office. And by the way, he's never come out. And he's never come out. He's never acknowledged <laughs> this hands down the pants kissing. Now I'm not saying he's. He's also never been with. Gay. He's never been. He's never come out. But he's also a. A batch, a quote unquote lifelong sorry, bachelor. Sorry, sorry. Well, he's like in his 30s, so lifelong is not that but long. But you know what I mean. Can I also never... add one more thing that we've skated over? Maybe he, early 40s. He, he was very young when he was elected, yes. and he's very good looking. Very good looking, and he was a he was on every single cable news channel all the time. He's always all on, the time. But like I think we've missed that. So I think it's kind of an Anthony hear, Weiner, but hotter. When people hear Republican, they're thinking this fat old doof, doofus. Right. But like Aaron Schock is is well, he very was, much and so the looks came, the part the, of a sort of a young, I mean in theory, gay yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and yeah. the picture and and he was also known in Congress for the 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 magazine spreads that he got and the fashion spreads and how fit he was yeah. and he would pose with his shirt off and. He he, he loved this attention, and he was photographed. Um, a, a gay couple fo- used posted a picture of him in on Instagram, not to be like angry or anything. They just randomly met this person that they didn't know who he was. They didn't know mm-hmm. the background of who this was, and they actually recently, like I think last night, released a statement on Instagram saying, "We." And they even said, we're idiots. We didn't know this guy's policies. We didn't know this guy's track record. They're probably not politically inclined, and that's okay. No no, no shit on them. And they said that they are shocked by it and do not support anything of what he does. A picture first. Oh, sorry. Yeah, so the outcry Uh, all came from that Aaron Schock has finally been, even though people have rumored that he's been rumored to be gay for years, he finally had this picture at Coachella where he's shirtless, he has his hands down this guy's pants. And that's fine. What the, the, You know the, what? what? That he, is so fine. That you is do fine. you. But it's, but However, it's the arrogance. The arrogance and the hypocrisy of how far this man went to be a supporter of Donald Trump, how far this mm-hmm. man went to block marriage rights, and, and, block same-sex benefits. And he's literally never, benefits. not only has he not actually come out, he never even apologized yep. for those policies. Yeah. Well, he won't until he comes out, if he ever It's does. astounding. And so, yeah, besides the picture of, of him, like, with his hands down a guy's pants at Coachella, there's literally also a picture. He, he's moved to Beverly Hills. Or I think he moved to WeHo, or he lives yeah. in, like, Beverly Hills or no something. No way. He lives in WeHo? Yeah, he lives in oh, Los Angeles yes, now. yes. He yeah. lives here. <laughs> and there's pictures of him at Coachella. He, there's pictures of him in, in L.A. in scenarios that look. You know, very gay. There's yeah. a picture of him at Coachella with six of He wears lots of, his... of white shorts. Yeah. Yes. And oh, there's a picture yeah. of him in a very, in an almost like. <laughs> That's brave. <laughs> a picture of him in an, in an almost solidified trope kind of picture, a parody almost, of six WeHo Caucasian, you know, tan yeah. muscle gay guys dressed in their Coachella best, standing in a row at Coachella, and Aaron Schock is one of them. He he makes me want to so go to, out to WeHo and find him and just like. Our friend. Be 
angry. Our, my friend of ours um, was hiking Runyon and saw him, and he was, of course, Who? hiking Runyon. Well, we'll talk later. He was hiking Runyon with another guy, and uh, they were both, of course, shirtless, and they looked the same, and our friend uh, berated him. Well, <laughs> oh, wait, really? Wait, yeah. Good. Well, well wait. Let me, let me actually pose—let me play devil's advocate yet again. Yeah. So what if—I'm not—I I hate Aaron Shock. I'm not defending him. But what if he just found out he's gay? Let's say he's clearly been flamboyant. He redecorated and, and his office to look like Downton Alan, Abbey. Downton Abbey. Alan. <laughs> but what if he just, what if he, yes, he might have had these tendencies, maybe he was curious, but he finally came out of the closet. Can you still hate him as much? No, I, no. Uh, well, no. If he just found out, but he had, when he was in office and so and when he was in office, I just reject office. that because the the fact that how far I don't think he could just find out because the fact that he would go out of his way to hate on it seemed, gay policies, mm-hmm. like there's no way he wouldn't. I mean, I I would reject that completely as a falsehood and a lie because he went out of his fucking way mm-hmm. to vote and and be very to vocal. make life. Worse. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> for, I mean, this wasn't people. this wasn't like yeah. if he maybe stayed quiet on gay issues and he did the whole um, Jim Colby thing where yeah, yeah, yeah. he just didn't really vote and he he would vote absent. You know what I mean? Right, like right, right, right. I would probably maybe understand a that. little more wiggle room. Exactly. Yeah. But this piece of shit. But he flaunted his hatred. He flaunted yes. his shame. He used it to actually fuel his policy. Yes. And oh. now he's at Coachella with his hands down some guy's pants, but doesn't want to speak about. His his disgusting hypocrisy, and he can get away with it now because he's not in office. He's a private citizen. You know, well, you know who should really be berated for it are his friends, these gay pieces yeah. of shit who stand with him and in in, in, in link linking arms with this piece of shit. I agree. He's probably a great but I power bottom. I also don't. Oh, God. <laughs> Wait, Brent, finish your thought. I mean, I agree, but then like then I'm playing into all this shit where like what you're I'm supposed to hate. Of course, my reaction is to hate his friends, but like. That's not fair either. I don't hate I his friends. I shouldn't hate his friends. No. But well, I do hate I think him. they're idiots. I do hate him. Yeah, I don't and know how you could be friends with that's him. That's what but I mean. Like, but how I mean, can you his have... friends might be Republican. Who knows? I'm, I'm not. Presumably. I can't. I can't hate his friends. I'm not. Maybe not. I also I don't, don't hate on gay Republicans because I think there are many lovely gay Republicans who have Probably very interesting listen to this thoughts. Podcast. Yeah, there are. <laughs> yeah, there of are. And and only because I've heard from them. I don't hate gay Republicans. I hate Aaron Shaw. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's such a piece of shit. I don't love. Gay Republicans. <laughs> no. I don't love. Them. I don't hate them, but I don't love them. That's a I fair mean, assessment. Elliot has probably loved some gay Republicans. Oh, he sat on a few. I oh mean, my God, it's unbelievable. Yeah, seven. <laughs> He's episodes. unhinged. This episode. What would your aunt say? Brent, what would your aunt say about something she heard on today's episode? Whenever I would visit your house when you were a kid, you always went into the pool with your shirt on. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> oh, the only uh, uh, skinny kid to wear a T-shirt in the pool. Yeah, it's true. That I've ever met. Um, <laughs> my aunt Joanne would probably say, "You can't hate all gay Republicans. You can't hate them all." <laughs> my Alan, aunt Anne. My aunt Anne. The conversation with my aunt Anne would go. Aunt Anne would say. I just, you know, that John Polly, he made, he reminded me of my old bird. Why is that, Aunt Anne? Because Polly want a cracker. Because <laughs> <laughs> she's white. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for listening. I'm Elliot Glazer. I am Brent Sullivan. I'm H. Allen Scott. A podcast network. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts.